0: In this edition of the Marketing Genius Podcast, we sit down with Jeff Turner. For those of you who don't know, he's the president of Real Satisfied, which is an awesome tool for getting valuable feedback from real estate customers. We all know how important online reviews are in today's world, but while most platforms are content to offer a one to five star rating and a paragraph, Jeff is going a little deeper especially to help agents and brokers collect meaningful reviews that they can use to improve their businesses. In this interview, Jeff tells us his secret to anticipating your client's needs and what your social media audience really wants from you. Stay tuned.
1: Hi, this is Katie Lance. I'm Kim Colapretti with Team Diva Real Estate.
2: Hi, this is Jeff Turner from Real Satisfied, and you're listening to the Marketing Juniors Podcast.
1: Welcome to the Marketing Genius Podcast, where we take you behind the scenes with the most brilliant real estate professionals and brands to uncover the latest digital marketing tools and tricks for your online arsenal. Now, here are your hosts, Seth Price and Matt Barbet. Hey, Jeff, welcome
3: to the show. Uh, Hey, how are you? Excellent. Doing great. Yeah, we're super psyched to have you. Um, So, tell the listeners a little bit about Real Satisfied.
2: Real Satisfied. Well, Real Satisfied is a customer satisfaction platform, a software as a service platform that was designed specifically for the real estate industry. Um, We we don't service anything other than real estate brokers and real estate agents, and we're, we're dedicated to the cause of trying to collect as much information as possible on behalf of brokers and agents about how they performed in delivering services to their clients.
0: Got it. And what's, you know, what's the story behind the company? I mean, you know, we always hear there's always really interesting stories behind why these companies get started. And there's, you know, there's kind of a a core issue. mean, what what was it for you? What was the story about the the company coming together?
2: Well, so I was uh, invited to speak. Uh, do a keynote address at the Australian Real Estate Conference in Sydney in May of 2011. And as part of you know the duties, if you will, uh, I was asked to be on a, an internet radio podcast, mm-hmm. not not unlike this one, uh, on the floor of the convention center right nice. after I finished speaking. Uh, a gentleman by the <laughs> name of Kevin Kevin Turner, no relation, invited me to, to be on the show. And uh, behind me on the wall was this... You know real satisfied logo It was sort of plastered all over the back of the wall and i hadn't heard of many of the companies who were on the showroom floor in sydney that day Uh, and i didn't really seek out any other company because they were advertising on this show i figured i'd I'd reach out to them and uh, phil kells one of the founders and david king one of the other founders was there in a little you know black uh, shirts with the real satisfied logo on them and i asked them to show me their product and you know, again, this is May of 2011, and that's, what what is that now, four years ago? Four yeah. years yeah. ago. And they, they whipped out an iPad, no, no pomp and circumstance, didn't start off by saying, look, we can show you this on an iPad. They just right. took me into the back end of this really robust broker dashboard um, and, and showed me what they were doing on behalf of brokers. And it was interesting because they were when i began questioning them about agent ratings and reviews they were completely unaware of the hype around agent ratings and reviews that was taking place in the united states i mean completely unaware and so the interesting thing about the the creation of real satisfied is that it happened um, in a real estate culture that's vastly different than the u.s culture and i think i think it's a good thing that that happened because they built a product that when it launched had no public facing aspect to it whatsoever. The the profile pages which we're now famous for and the RSS feeds that drive um, what we do on behalf of agents to act as that third party validator didn't exist because it it wasn't needed. There was no uh, system in place in Australia that provided for it. It was done purely for the benefit of brokers and agents to learn, it was a learning platform. Interesting. You send out, you send out a survey, you collect information, you look at that information, you make better business decisions. And it was it was built after Phil Kells had finished uh, a house purchase, and he received in the mail a, a postcard with um, some information to fill out. And since you know he and David were in the research business for years and years. Went and asked, what do you do? If I fill this out, what are you going to do with it? He goes, I don't know. I never see them. <laughs> and it's typical when, when you talk to brokers today who still use uh, paper surveys, for example, when you, when you ask the agents, what happens with this feedback? What happens with this information? They have yeah, no idea. Yeah,
3: they don't know. They don't have an idea
2: at all. Yeah, it just gets lost. Yeah. And so that that really is it. Yeah. And, you know, the the story I like to tell, and I don't know whether we can cuss on this show or not, so I'll, I'll make sure my language is cleaned <laughs> up. But, you know, we haven't made that decision. We are. Yeah, we are we are dealing with Australians, right? Yeah. So, uh, put put this in context. The the I, I said, listen, this is better than anything I've ever seen. Have you guys ever thought about bringing this to North America? They said we have, but we just don't don't know anyone who could help us do it. Well, I can help you do that. And David King, true to Australian form, looked me straight in the eyes and said, I don't mean to offend you, but who the hell are you? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And so, you know, that that was the beginning of what I I think is a really, really great relationship because we both sort of had to prove ourselves. And um, I I really believe, I believe to this day that the time was right for a product like this in the real estate industry. Um, I don't know that the market here knew that the time was right at the time. I think even today, there's a, a great deal of education that needs to take place to differentiate what we do from uh, just collecting a testimonial or yeah. just producing an agent rating. And, and there really, they really is a completely different mindset and process when you look at a product that is designed to collect information for your benefit, built in a system that allows you to analyze it, utilize it and own it, yeah. as opposed to um, data that's collected purely Purely, and this is the way it works on most sites. Purely designed to attract eyeballs mm-hmm. and act as a, as a marketing tool. Yeah, you
3: know, social proof.
2: Yeah, it's it's a, there's a big differentiation.
3: There. You you did a lot of things in and out of the real estate space before you know joining up with with Phil and the gang. Yeah. How, how did that prepare you? to help launch this. Because you guys have made great okay. traction in I'd say the last four years as we've been observing you. And uh it's been really great to see. So I'd love to hear that.
2: Well I've been um working as an entrepreneur since I was 24 years old. I'm 54 now. So it's well 53. I'm almost 54. I, I'm I'm so comfortable. Happy
3: birthday. Hopefully I'm so
2: no, <laughs> I'm so I'm so comfortable with my age I don't care anymore. Um and so I, I've, I've started businesses. I've sold businesses. Um, when I when I sold my my previous company uh, before I started uh, my venture into the real estate world, I, I really made a conscious decision that I didn't want to be a part or didn't want to to run a big company any longer. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've I've sort of orchestrated my life since that time to give me the ability to do what I'm doing now, which is to sit at home most of the time and run my businesses from the comfort of of my house here in Santa Clarita, California. And so that sort of has influenced how I work. It's influenced what things I've gravitated towards to grow businesses. Um, And I I think I've, I've come full swing. You know, I've spent a lot of time in the social media environment, early on with uh, real estate shows, my former real estate venture, mm-hmm. and today I place uh, a great deal of value on that, that equity I built up in that in those social platforms. But I spend the vast majority of my time on the phone, face to face, video conferences, doing the. You know, the belly-to-belly conversations that I think are required for a product like this. This is a very nuanced product. It's not something that you can just immediately look at and latch on to and understand what all all the potential benefits are of it. So we we spend an awful lot of time uh, in conversation with business leaders, helping them really get a picture. For what collecting this kind of data can mean for them and for their agents, and um, so far it's working.
0: I mean, what's the what's the high level snapshot for for folks who haven't heard it about you know why this why this data is so important and kind of yeah. what you can do with it, and you know why the kind of old way of thinking about you know what you did with this information you know is now just kind of one of five or ten things that you should be thinking about, sure, you know, doing with it.
2: Sure. Well, I think people got caught up and, and still are, quite frankly, in this net promoter score kind of understanding of what you do at the close of a transaction, you sure. know, and I, and I don't think people are cognizant of the history of NPS, right? So NPS was created by Bain. Bain's a consulting company. Are they really trying to answer a question for you? No, they're really not. Um, they, they really want your consulting business. So when you ask a question like, how likely are you to recommend me to friends and family members? Um, if you get a really high score, you, you don't know why. If you get a really low score, you don't know why. You, you've got to do some some in-depth. And we do have NPS kinds of questions uh, on our surveys. But when we're digging into how an agent performed in our system. Our seller survey, for example, captures 49 different data points. So we're capturing data points uh, across how the agent performed in delivering services specifically aligned with that transaction. We're also capturing information specifically aligned to the agent's personality or work ethic, communication style. You know, did they, did they call you back promptly? Things of that nature. So it gives a, a couple of things. It gives brokers who are sort of purchasing the product in aggregate for their agents, the ability to roll up this data and to understand, are our agents on whole delivering on our brand promise? And are there specific agents who might need training in specific areas? Because again, we're getting to great detail that we can provide. And that's how you know customers like Century 21 and Better Homes and Gardens, and some of our long time customers want to use that data. Sure. And for the agent, it, it allows them to see um, a little bit more clearly into what their client was thinking about so even on the most popular of the sites that they're sending their clients to zillow um, you know you've basically got four questions that are being asked it's not enough not for a trend in my opinion it's not enough when you're talking about a transaction as complex and intricate as a real estate transaction is and i I don't know what it is about the real estate industry that they want to keep gravitating towards these lowest common denominator solutions for things yeah but you know buying buying a piece of real estate is not like buying a a, a slice of pizza at your local pizza joint you can't just go in and say you know five stars four stars on on two points and really understand whether or not that person did a good job. The context of every transaction is so intricate as well. So I think we're dealing with a different beast in real estate and I think people are beginning to understand that if I can have access to this data and if I can slice it and dice it any way I see fit, if I can can use it to help me make better business decisions, that's good for me and it's good for my agents and uh, everyone wins because everyone in that ecosystem gets something.
0: Got it. I mean, is that the primary use case? Is it like, you know, kind of that next level of, of kind of business intelligence or or are our folks using this as kind of classic testimonial, you know, proof of trust stuff on their on their website? Is it is
2: it's it It's all of that. It's all it. of that. So I, I think that the things that drive agents are different than the things that drive brokers and are different than the things that drive brands are different than the things that drive associations. And, and you know, once you become really, really familiar with the real estate industry, you realize that it's not just a simple thing to go and have a conversation with an agent. You have to be able to have conversations, meaningful conversations in this space with every constituent in the process. And I, I think associations play a role in these conversations around agent performance. I think NAR certainly is is trying to play a role in establishing uh, some performance evaluation metrics, if you will, some mm-hmm. some goals, and desire that they have for the industry. But the rubber really meets the road with brokers, um, regardless of how you feel about you know independent con- contractor status and all of the other things. The broker has those local relationships with agents. And so agents may only care about the fact that they're getting testimonials and we make it very, very easy for them to share those things in our system. But I think think brokers are demonstrating through how they're working with our product and the decision-making they're going through and purchasing our product, they're demonstrating that they actually do care about how agents are perceived in the marketplace. They care about wanting to make certain that these people have the right kinds of training at least the good ones and again we're not seeing um the the side of the equation typically the people who are engaged in conversations with us are not the side of the equation that is um typically brought up when uh, you're talking about brokers who are um acting like a a glorified landlord those aren't the brokers we're, we're talking to those aren't the ones who are interested in a platform like ours
0: Got it. And so like kind of on the heels of that, like what's what's the biggest objection that you guys hear when somebody says, you know, hey, collecting this information, collecting these reviews, you know, that just isn't isn't something that's important. You know, like imagine I'm the average, you know, average broker and I'm listening to this podcast. I mean, wh- what's my what's your guess at sort of the average person's, you know, objection to doing this and and how would you kind of respond to that?
2: So uh, there's two average Objections, if you will, and and if you can get to a place in the conversation where they understand that what you're doing is really focused around collecting customer satisfaction data, mm-hmm. no one argues with the fact that it's a good idea to go ask your client whether or not you did a good job. Sure, or to provide feedback. No, nobody argues with that. Yeah. I mean, it's almost silly to think about it. What people get trapped in. Um, and my dogs are about to bark in the background for the illustration that I work at home. Um, <laughs>
1: we love dogs. I, I predicted
2: it. I predicted it. Um, what, what they get trapped in is, um, I'm going to call it a bill of goods, that they've been sold, that the right way to do this is through a really simple, easy question, as if a consumer who has just spent 30, 60, 90 days working with you isn't willing to, to give you more information. You know, so the objection is your surveys are too long, nobody's gonna fill them out. But Mm -hmm. we have have an over 50% response rate to our surveys which is unheard of in the survey industry, by the way.
3: And you have 46 questions, is that right, or how many? There's
2: 49 data points that are collected on the seller side. I think there's 39 on the buyer side, so there's two different surveys. I mean, it is, it is. And people are, you know, the data speaks for itself, so we can get by that objection very, very easily, but it's, it's rooted in this notion that since every other industry is using a Yelp kind of mentality around collecting this information, that we should too. And I I think that's where, that's where these conversations get, um, it's, it's the reason why we have to spend so much time in actual conversation. You know, it's not, we can't just send out a brochure and say, look, here are the features of our product. Isn't this awesome? You know, go to town. Yeah. Every, every business, every broker has some nuance about their business, or at least they feel they do. And in some cases, I believe that's true. You know, I had a conversation this morning with a, a fairly large brokerage in the Virginia area, and their concerns were around not about all of it. They want to do it. They think it's great. How do we communicate this properly to our agents who've never participated in this before? How do yeah. we how do we make certain that to communicate that that they understand that our desire here is is pure that we really want to help them understand how they did. We want to help them get better. We want to provide them with tools that allow us to all, as an industry, understand whether or not we're really giving the consumer what the consumer deserves. And I, I, I love those conversations, trust me. Uh, I, I think they're important and they're valuable. But I, I do think people are, are confused often by the conversations that take place around agent ratings and reviews. And to me, an agent rating review is a byproduct of our system. It's not the focus of our system. Yeah. So we get trapped in the byproduct conversation and we, we sort of have to pull people back to, okay, that's a byproduct. You're going to get that. That's going to happen. But what you need to understand is what the real driver here is. The driver here is, is your customer happy with your performance? And if they're not, exactly what are they not happy with?
3: Yeah. We um, we find, you know, in talking to thousands of agents through our team, you know, folks I'll say real estate professionals have the best of intentions, but they're wearing so many hats that it's exactly. it's hard for them to invest enough time in their marketing. Like how do you, I mean, so from our perspective, there's probably a lot of things that someone should be doing for online marketing. How do you explain that they, to someone that, how they balance it? Like,
2: well, see, this is the beauty of it, right? So. We know. I mean, we collect data on everything. Literally, we have we're we're data freaks. Um, we did an analysis just a couple weeks ago. An agent who comes to us on their own will have an average of two responses in their account, but an agent who comes to us where the surveys are triggered by a broker or through an integration with association will have close to six. So you're right. Agents get sort of transactionally focused. They move from one traction to the next, transaction to the next. Even if they come to our site on their own, we have people who paid for pro accounts who've never sent a survey. And they have the best of intentions. If They, they really do, but they they just, they lose the, the focus around, or they don't have the systems in place to trigger the sending of the survey at the close of the transaction. So the brokers and the association step in to act as that trigger. We, we say this all the time, we're best when we're invisible to the agent. Where when we're communicating is when we've been successful in collecting feedback on their behalf. And so that's really where the rubber meets the road with how we've done our integrations at both the broker and the association level. Um, We think it's valuable for both of those constituents to be involved in this conversation and to help agents in the triggering of these invitations to take a survey because ultimately everybody wins when the consumer has a voice, a yeah. voice that's been given an opportunity to provide significant enough detail.
3: Yeah. So, you now have some, you know, serious decades working in this marketing and advertising space. Mm-hmm. Um, how has the shift to digital changed the way you guys do business?
2: You know, in a lot of ways, it, it makes it easier and harder. You know, it's 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 easier to get to people. I think. Yeah. Um, it's easy to identify targets, um, and I use targets. And I don't mean that in a pejorative sense, but when when you're sitting, you're saying, "I need to have a conversation with an executive at X company." Uh, it takes three minutes to go uh, and X find company, that person, yeah. at, right? Yeah. X company on Twitter, X company on, on LinkedIn, X company on Facebook, or X person or X human or X whatever, and to figure out what's the best way for me to initiate that conversation. So in my in my worldview. Um, There are times where I'll I'll use a very uh, subtle introduction on Twitter to get someone's attention. There are times when I'll use uh, a more direct introduction on Facebook or I'll go through LinkedIn in-mail where I I don't even know this human being. But I know that if I send them um, an email through LinkedIn, it will get seen. And if I sent them an email directly, it wouldn't. And I think that's the beauty of, of this world we live in today—that there is lots of different methods for communicating with people or initiating conversations. Um, and because each one of those networks are slightly different, if you if you don't understand how those networks are used, you can easily get fooled into thinking you can do the same thing on everyone, and you can't. And it's made it harder because people think that's all you have to do. Yeah. Yeah. And it's not. It's really not. You you still have to have all of the skills that you needed 30 years ago. If, if you finally got someone to pick up the phone and talk to you, you still have to provide value. You still have to be able to understand what their needs are. You still have to be able to address those needs in a meaningful way. And I think the people who win are, are those who are willing to listen and communicate in ways that match those clients' needs effectively. And so the tools make it easier Um uh, and again, like I said, it make them a little bit harder, too, because of the expectations that are set up for ease. And yeah. those expectations are wrong.
0: Do you feel like things have, you know, like as, as more and more folks have, you know, kind of picked up on that, that there's so many avenues to reach out to people by? Do you think. have you felt like, you know, more recently people have gone numb to some of those things? Like, you know, they're, you mentioned LinkedIn email, like that they're ignoring kind of in mail that they're not paying attention to that anymore. Like, has it, has it gotten harder or do you just kind of go to new channels and you're still able to get to the folks you want to get to? I think,
2: you know, I, I talk a lot to people when I'm asked to speak about, about listening. And I I think it's a, a really, it's, it's not overstating it to say that it is the most important skill that any business person marketer slash whatever you, you want to put after that has to have Mm -hmm. because you know, it may be easy for me personally to go and look at someone's Facebook profile, their LinkedIn profile, their Twitter profile, and understand almost instantaneously, which one of these should I communicate with this person on? Um, it may be harder for others to do that because for, for lots of different reasons. I, I think the problem is people aren't willing to invest that little bit of extra time to yeah. do the homework, to understand what's going to be the most effective way of communicating. I don't think people are numb to it. I think what people are numb to is the lack of nuance that others are using in in with the tools.
3: Mm, I, I can't tell you how many LinkedIn invites and direct messages I get that are just canned. Absolutely. It's the same <laughs> stuff over and over again. Yeah, that, yeah. And It's
2: missing the point. It's missing the entire point.
3: I would respond if it was at all creative or at all focused at me and they they could just look at my social profiles and know what I like and dislike. That, that, and it's really, you know, honestly, it's
2: really not that hard to figure out what I'm about if you pay any attention to me whatsoever on Facebook, right? I mean, if you pay any attention at all, even if you spent 15 minutes just surfing down through my profile, you'd know exactly what to say to me to get my attention. And I think most people are sending out, whether it's an overt signal or a subtle signal, they're sending out the signal this is what matters to me. And and all it takes is for someone to say, "I recognize what matters to you. I honor what matters to you, and I'm going to reach out to you in the way that honors you."
3: Yeah,
0: got it. Yeah. So I mean, like, kind of changing topics a little bit. What was what what has been the biggest challenge scaling over the last four four years? I mean, is mm-hmm. is it yeah. been product or you know customer acquisition? You know, what what's been the kind of big hurdle for you guys? Because you've you've had massive growth, you know, over the we last have, four we're, years. We're,
2: and we're on another hockey stick. Growth, you know, curve right now too. Um, I think I think the biggest challenges have been making certain that the network can handle the growth. You know, oh, yeah. we had a big spike in growth in January of this year when we brought on Century Twenty One. We we launched fifty five thousand agents Whoa. in a day in twenty <laughs> in twenty four hours. And so, um, was, that, easy, was that
0: like nerve wracking? Were you guys like it, standing well, by the, the server graph, like you know, <laughs> making you know, sure it is,
2: it is one of those days that you make certain that all hands are on deck in case you know something goes wrong, but you do your homework, right? Sure, you understand that you've got it, it's simple things, it's little things like. Um, what happens if each one of these, uh, when the the crest feed hits, all of a sudden we've got all these calls to um, uh, the RSS feed for these profiles? What do we need to do to our RSS? Feed? And well, the fix is pretty simple. You know, you got to cache the RSS feed, you got to do these things, but you've got to think about those things in advance. So the scalability of the network ends up being a prime focus from a product standpoint, and then also anticipating customer service needs. I think most businesses fall down on anticipating what. The customer service needs are going to be when they're, when they're growing a product and we've done a really good job of anticipating those needs as well and making certain that Uh, when people are experiencing us and when they're asking questions of us through our help desk that they're getting the kind of immediate attention that they're looking for it's kind of hard to be a customer satisfaction platform and not get good (laughs) customer service sure yeah that that's a (laughs) that's definitely not a good thing it would be one of those oxymorons you don't want to be on the wrong side of (laughs)
3: yeah i want to circle back to something um when we were talking about agents and brokers and folks that maybe don't have a marketing platform sure. what would you tell someone that's just starting out in the business like what are the top three things that they should be focused on from a marketing perspective
2: are you talking about individual agents or brokers or yeah home? well I'd say
3: I mean I even come across brokers that don't they don't really have a web presence they don't have social yeah. Like you know yeah. they they are they want it but they're not sure what to do first what would you tell them
2: um I- Man, that's a really tough question because I, you know, one of the things that I've tried not to do uh, in my real estate business world is to try to give agents advice on how to run their business. Yeah, I, I, I know how to run my business. I think agents know how to run their business, but speaking specifically to marketing and specifically on the social side, yeah, I think agents make massive mistakes in not being very, very personal with their approach to social media. I, I don't think people understand just how off-putting it is that um, still today, and I, I, I see it all the time, agents spend way too much time focusing on themselves. They, they're just so self-centric in their approach to their communications that they miss the opportunity to engage with people on their level. The good ones, you look at people like a a Brian Copeland, for example, who has a a really interesting mix of posts that are about village properties in Nashville, Tennessee. But he spends, I would say, more twice as much time interacting on other people's posts as he does interacting with his own posts. And that 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 concern, you know, all. You got to understand, I think people have to to take a step back and say, why are people doing this in the first place? Why are people on Facebook? Why are they on Twitter? Why are they on these places? What are they there for? Honestly, break it down to the simplest, simplest thing. They're there for attention. Yeah. They're seeking attention. All they want is for you to recognize who they are, really can't be done in a fake way. People can sense it even online. And that's what's missing. And if, if they could just take a step back and take a deep breath and, and realize that business comes after trust, you've got to get trust first. If you try to place those two things that cart before the horse, so to speak, you, you'll lose it. Yeah, it's- You've got to have the trust first.
3: It sounds like you're talking about the entire social population at large. I don't think this no, is just it's uh, it's not, you know, specific
2: we're to here, agents. And I'm not trying to badmouth the agents in any way. I think business people in general do. I just think that, um, I think quite frankly, agents have been fed a lot of crap from stages in the past about what they should and shouldn't do. When, yeah. when they and I think that's improved over the last two years. Um, oh, I, I think you're right. I think it's improved dramatically. And it, you know, Seth, honestly, you've helped improve that so the the goal here is for people to you know it's 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 almost inauthentic to say you know they really just need to be authentic because i don't i don't know that people really understand what that means to be authentic yeah they really just need to care
3: have some empathy somebody else that's it where do you look for inspiration like how do you are they do you have favorite books or blogs or I mean, I know you you hike a lot, and you take yeah. the most amazing photographs. Uh, Matt and I were looking at them earlier. Uh, <laughs> They're beautiful. Thanks.
2: Thank you. I I I I spend an awful lot of time hiking, and when I do, I don't play music, I don't listen to podcasts, I don't do anything. I'm just it's just me. Uh, typically, a tripod and a camera. I'll stop and take some photos. I, I I try to interact as little as possible with the rest of the world. I get a lot of my. Moments of inspiration from those quiet times with my thoughts. Um, I spend an awful lot of time reading non-industry business books. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't. I, I spend a lot of time reading non-industry, you know, business stuff. I'm not a big Novel reader, I I don't get lost in comic books. I don't, you know, my my reading is very, very specific, and it tends toward a more fifty thousand you know foot view of things. Yeah, it's illustrated. My favorite book on the world, my favorite business book in the world, the one I always recommend to everyone, is called Leadership in the New Science by Margaret Wheatley, and it is the most atypical business book you're ever going to read. It's this mix of quantum physics and an understanding of science and the natural world and the way it works and it relates back to how businesses need to evolve to a more modern way of looking at the world that was written 15 years ago, 20 years ago now, I think. And and when you you put it in perspective that she was writing before the social media boom and this move towards open uh, companies you'll go wow this woman was a visionary and truly understood the changes that needed to take place in business. And so that's that's where I end up spending most of my time. I, I try not get uh, I'm not big into how-to books. Yeah. Like books that, you know, paint by numbers for me. Hmm. I don't not want sure. to paint by numbers. Interesting.
0: Awesome. So so before we kind of start wrapping up, like what are your, you know, this is a time of change in the industry, yeah. right? I mean, what are your what are your kind of thoughts on on the future? Like what's you know what's our biggest challenge you know you know that folks are facing every day you know maybe if you have a a kind of thought on what a solution might look like, might look like you know throw that out there too i mean what's i don't i
2: don't know what the solution is because i don't know that people have properly identified what the problem is you know everybody the the big hubbub always seems to float around the either destruction or the creation of some business model and yet the business model or the models that I see being touted as new business models aren't really new business models at all. And the basic way that agents and brokers have done business for the last 50 years, they're, they're still doing business that way today. And I, I don't know that, that we're equipped for, to foresee what could possibly come in and truly disrupt this industry. It's not gonna be the portals. That that's clear. That's not what's disrupting it. There isn't a piece of technology today that's really done it. All of these tools have really served to enhance an agent and broker's ability to work within their existing business model. And yet there's always this this angst around the this disruption. Sure. This disruption, this disruption. And I, I think it's just noise. I haven't seen it. Maybe you guys have seen something I've not seen, but I've not seen it. i am not, not seen anything that I look at and go, oh, wow. Wow. That's, man, got to yeah. be careful there. Nothing. I don't see anything. I think they need to, in general, this um, fear of all things new needs to be cast aside. And there needs to be a really deep understanding that the the principles that drive what caused people to choose a real estate agent, what caused people to um, gravitate towards one brand or another in the real estate industry haven't really changed much. And uh, the tools have only served to enhance one person's ability to do what they already do very well better.
3: That's so true. I, I believe that wholeheartedly. Jeff, uh, it's been a real pleasure. Thank you so much for taking the time to chat with us. It's it's my pleasure.
2: Thanks for inviting me, guys. Jeff,
3: thank you. Uh, How can folks find out more about Real Satisfied, more about Jeff Turner? Sure.
0: Go to
2: realsatisfied.com, R-E-A-L, satisfied.com, and you can always find me at jeffturner.com.
0: Very cool. Thank you, Jeff, very much. Awesome. Awesome.
2: Thanks, guys. Have a great, great day. Yeah, you too. Bye-bye.
1: Thanks for listening to the Marketing Genius Podcast. If you like what you've heard, be sure to write us a review on the iTunes store. For our full episode archive and access to exclusive bonus content, visit us online at playster.com slash podcast. If you have feedback about Marketing Genius or wanna suggest topics and guests for future shows, drop us a line at podcast at playster.com. Don't settle for mediocre marketing. Become a marketing genius and start growing your real estate business online. The marketing genius podcast is brought to you by Playster, the digital marketing platform for real estate professionals, brands and organizations of all kinds. With beautiful websites, lead management tools, marketing automation and an academy featuring the latest tools and tips, Playster offers real estate professionals everything they need to succeed online. Learn more at Playster.com.